This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you, wherever you are today. It's a beautiful day here in Starkville, Mississippi. I don't know that there is a cloud in the sky. It's in the 70s, I think. It was earlier. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. Good day to get out and go do some fishing, maybe shoot a little basketball. Might do both. Got to get out and go sign some books a little bit later, too. Excited about that. I'm working on the third one, as you guys are well aware. Wrapped up a couple chapters over the weekend, including one with uh, former Mississippi State All-American center fielder Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly. Back in 1979, Mike Kelly leaving the field there at Smithville Stadium gave me his hat. I believe it was Smithville's. But it's been, I was seven. Gave me his hat. Got a chance to finally thank him for that. I have had such a good time. You know, kind of visiting with so many of our former great players of, of many sports. But you know, there's just something about those baseball players of those uh, those great teams from the seventies and eighties and 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 beyond, really. That uh, I, I I kind of pay a little closer attention when they're talking. You know, it's one of the you know, I. I Learned a lot about Mississippi State baseball, writing on this book and, and kind of doing research for interviews and that sort of stuff. And it's uh, there's just there is a reverence for Mississippi State baseball, and there is a fraternity that we are not a part of. That when you're on this side of it and you can look at it and respect it for what it is, it changes you know kind of how you look at things. You know, to hear, you know, some of our great players, you know, Ted Milton, Mike Kelly, many others, you know, talk about their teammates and about how at this point in their lives, I mean, some of them are, are beginning to age out of this, uh, this life. You know, and to hear them recount those memories and what it means to them and how they can even recount it in such great detail. It's wonderful. And I can't wait for you guys to read it. Can't wait for you guys to have an opportunity to, to educate yourself a little bit. I heard from uh, former Bulldog great Mike Proppett's widow over the weekend, and she asked me if I'd be interested in, in reading some news clippings about that 71 College World Series team. And she sent them, and uh, I could have read that the rest of the weekend. You know, it's like, it's one of those things to hear it, it's one of those things to have somebody tell you their first hand account. But it's another thing to go back and read 
what was actually said and done and to players' quotes. And I had a chance to, to do some reading this weekend uh, about some of our other players. You know, I, I'm, I'm a person that uh, has a real appreciation for Mississippi State baseball, like many of you. And uh, anything that I can find that is a, uh, you know, a value education-wise, I read it. I read a long, lengthy article about Homer Spragans. And many of you may not know who he is, but Homer Spragans was uh, one of our best pitchers during his era. And uh, went on and had uh, kind of a limited you know, pro baseball career. But it's uh, I, I, I kind of uncovered some information about him, and I was just curious, you know, what whatever happened, you know, to him. You go, you go look at uh, look at his numbers, and you realize, you know, the guy did, did pretty well at times, but he had some uh, had some arm injuries and and uh, shortened his career. But I, I found an, an interview with him. Looks like it's in the. Uh, the Greenwood Commonwealth newspaper back uh, February 14th, 1975. Found that online and read that. And it's like one of those things when I guess it's kind of the realization that you realize is that we, we played baseball a long time before we came along. And, and you read these things and you realize that this respect and this reverence for Mississippi State baseball predates all of us. And so my hope is, is that we can uh, capture some of that in the pages of, uh, of a new book. Did my best to do it with Stark Villains. I'm even more excited about this one. I'll be writing that Rafael Palmero chapter later this week. Our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company still very happy to serve you. Two locations now, now in Tupelo on Gloucester Street and the flagship here on University Drive right here in Starkville. You can't go in and eat just yet. But you can still enjoy the great restaurant-quality hamburger that is the Bulldog. You can get that great family special. You get four Bulldog burgers, and that's the actual Bulldog. Four orders of French fries and a gallon of sweet tea for $29.95. You can't beat it. It is a great deal. It is a wonderful deal. Great food, great prices, great people. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's get into some NFL draft stuff. There's a lot that I want to talk about here. I mean, today's going to be a draft show. Now, Wednesday, I've got some other things we're going to get into as far as potential NCAA legislation and some other things maybe coming down, uh, some things we're hearing about the MLB draft. We're going to talk about some of that stuff on Wednesday. So today we're going to talk strictly football and draft stuff fallout from the draft, stuff that happened after the draft. And so the first thing, let's go ahead and jump through here, too. The, you know, the, the top five players that were selected, obviously, they, Mississippi State had five. The, uh, you know, Willie Gay and Cam Dancer, we knew were projected to go the highest, and uh, that held true. I think the order might have been a little different. Willie Gay goes the first Bulldog selected to Kansas City, and, and Andy Reid, and you can read, uh, Robbie Falk had great, did a great article on uh, Andy Reid's comments, said this, he is, Willie Gay is the linebacker we wanted. You know, one of the things that I want to say about that, too, is that there are a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, well, they've got these varying opinions about Willie Gay. None of that even matters anymore. Willie Gay, a Mississippi State Bulldog, Willie Gay made some mistakes. But all that is behind him. 
It did not impact his draft status in a very negative way. I, I believe that he has first-round athleticism. I don't think there's any question. He can run, tackle, and hit with the best of them. I think if he comes back, maybe he's a first-rounder. But there are a lot of people today that are kind of looking at this thing and, and kind of, you know, eating a little crow. There were some Mississippi State folks that said, oh, he's making a huge mistake. He'll be undrafted. Uh, and that wasn't true. You know, I was one of those folks that felt like, you know what, I think he probably benefits by coming back, but I also understand why he's going. So you wish him the best. Like many of you, I knew once he got invited to that combine and once people had a chance to see him perform in those combine drills that he was going to skyrocket up some boards because he knew he's going to test well. And that's one of those things when you look at it, at the end of the day, if you're a football coach, you got to win football games. If you're a football owner, you got to give money to buy players, to pay players, to give them the opportunity to sell tickets. And so Willie Gay, I'm sure there were a lot of people that said, hey, you know what, what's really going on with this kid? We've heard a couple things. You know, he punched his quarterback, and, and as I told you guys then, uh, it takes two to tango. And uh, both of those guys have some fault in that situation. And even though Willie took a, you know the, the biggest share of the criticism from a lot of people, Willie Gay's still a bulldog. But, uh, you know, some people had heard things, well, you know, the, the Tudor Gate stuff. But once he had a chance to run the Ford, he had a chance to meet with teams. And if you've ever been around Willie Gay, you know what I'm talking about. Willie Gay is an intelligent guy. Willie Gay communicates really, really well. Willie Gay is a guy that can sell himself. And so I just I felt then if he had a chance to get out there and perform up to his abilities and have a chance to interact with National Football League personnel, that he, he was going to acquit himself very well, and he did. Goes to uh, the world champs. What a great situation for him, and, and for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's a great organization. He'll also have the benefit of having Martinez Rankin, Chris Jones, and Braxton Hoyette around uh, to kind of you know be mentors to him. But also, too, Tyron Matthew is there. And, you know, Tyron Matthew is a guy that, if you recall, when he was at OSU, he was the guy that kind of had his name in the paper for, for some things that weren't uh, necessarily positive. Despite the fact that he was a tremendous player on the football field, there were some things that popped up. Now, he can serve as a mentor to Willie Gay as well. I think Willie Gay is in perhaps the best situation he could possibly be with Kansas City. I think it is a wonderful situation for him. It is a great situation for Kansas City because they get perhaps the most athletic linebacker in a draft. And then Willie goes into a situation where he already has a support system already built. It's a wonderful, wonderful situation. Cam Dancer goes in the third round to the Minnesota Vikings. You know, he, he, he put some things out on social media you know, you can tell he was getting really frustrated, you know, and, and, and in hindsight to say, yeah, you know, man, he put out the man, the disrespect I get, you know, that's part of the deal. You know, that, that's part of it. And I'm sure that it's very agonizing sitting there waiting for a phone to ring and you see people being drafted ahead of you that you feel like that you're as good or better than. But uh, Cam goes on Instagram live and said, hey, it's go time. And you knew then that there was a pick coming and, and he ends up going to the Vikings. They need a bunch of corners. And, uh, and, and listen, you know, Cam is one of those guys, too. He made a decision. He made an adult decision because he has a son that he needs to take care of. And then in his uh, Instagram Live video just before the, the selection, he's sitting there holding his son. And so 
while I wish Cam would have come back selfishly from Mississippi State, because I think Mississippi State benefits, and you know he might have been able to play his way up a little bit. I do think that the combine time hurt him a little bit. But Cam did made a adult decision and did what a man would do. He did what he thought was best for he and his family, and for, you know elected to enter the draft and forego his senior year. And now it appears that has worked out for him. And so absolutely wish him the best. And again, there were a lot, we've known for a year that he was going to come out. We were hopeful that he would come back because he didn't have the year he hoped to have because he, he had that neck injury that kind of lingered on throughout the year. And so as a result, it probably hurt his production some. And so with a big year, with the year we expected him to have, he is probably a first, more than likely a second round pick. I do think he slips to the third, you know, because of the, uh, durability issue a little bit, and then the uh, the bad 40 time. But um, but be that as it may, he is now a Minnesota Viking, and he has an opportunity now to uh, to take care of himself. And uh, I went and saw him play at St. Thomas Aquinas back in Hammond, Louisiana, when he was a high school senior. And uh, I remember what a big deal it was for him, just that somebody outside of, uh, of Hammond kind of knew who he was. And uh, I remember the day he committed to Mississippi State. And uh, one of the things I'll share about that, too, is Cam came back. Like, uh, so he came and worked drills and then came back that weekend when he was ready to commit because he wanted to commit to Dan Mullen in person. Rather than just do it on the phone or rather put it out on Twitter, he came all the way back to Starkville and wore this fabulous shirt. And you can find that on his 247 profile. But I thought that said a lot about Cam back then, even then as a high schooler, is the fact that he wanted to come up here and shake Dan Mullen's hand, look him in the eye, and say, Coach, I'm ready to be a Bulldog. And I don't know that everybody knew that. So I wanted to make sure you were aware of that. I am a Cam Dantzler fan. And uh, I'm a Willie Gay fan, too. I'm really fans of all of our student athletes. And uh, I know sometimes they do things that kind of frustrate us. But uh, I think at the end of the day, we got to remember, you know, these are young men trying to figure it out. And, uh, and so – very supportive of those guys. And uh, it's interesting that the two, the two first draftees from Mississippi State are, are juniors, guys that declared early. Tyree Phillips, what a great story with Tyree. The final pick of the third round to Baltimore. And uh, Tyree, I love you, but I got to pull against you because I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I hope that you have a Hall of Fame career and, and uh, watch Pittsburgh play in the Super Bowl every year. Uh, but, man, Tyree Phillips, one of the things that I remember about Tyree is uh, – I'm passing through Scuba on my way back to Starkville. I had gone and uh, come back from book signing or something. And, uh, but anyway, I'm passing through Scuba and I stopped there at the Scuba Junction. You know, there's like a couple gas stations right there. There's like the only place that you can get, you know, uh, fried chicken, I think, in Scuba, Mississippi. It's right there at the gas station. And I noticed there was a, uh, there was a, um, a Ford pickup. And it had a Mississippi State tag on the front of it. And I thought, hey, well, at least, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, who I park with up here. And I walk into the gas station, and it's Tyree Phillips. And that was his truck. And uh, it took about 10 minutes to get out of there because Tyree was so fired up about going to Mississippi State. At that point, he was already committed to Mississippi State, hadn't signed yet. And he was working through his uh, sophomore season there at East Mississippi. And uh, we just sit there and get to talk. And I remember the, you know, just the exuberance he had and the honor that he felt to have the opportunity to go play at Mississippi State, the team that he had always grown up rooting for. He was a Mississippi guy, wanted to see the Mississippi schools do well. 
but favored Mississippi State when it came to the Egg Bowl. And this is a guy, too, that played very little high school football. Very, very little. He learned to play football at East Mississippi Community College. It was All-American there. Played left tackle for them. And uh, you begin to think about that over the course of his career. I mean, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, this is one of those guys that uh, is a junior college success story. You know, Mississippi State was on him for the longest time. There was not a lot of media hype about him. His recruitment was really one of kind of a non-starter. There just weren't a lot of schools that were interested in him. And then once State got him committed, there was no point in anybody else offering because, you know, I, I would say short of Alabama offering, Tyree Phillips was going to go to Mississippi State. But it's great to see a story like that where you have a guy that kind of learns the game late and then has the opportunity to kind of sharpen a saw some at the junior college level. And he was a full qualifier. There's a lot of people out there that have to go to junior college. Tyree didn't have to go to junior college. He had some smaller four-year schools offer him. But uh, Buddy Stevens told him, hey, if you come up here and play for us because we're going to be playing for a national championship, you're going to have a chance to go play D1. So Tyree bought into that, spent a couple of years eating, you know, at the scuba junction. And now he's about to, to rake in a bunch of coin from the Baltimore Ravens. It's, and he's such a nice guy. That's one of the things, too, that I think, you know, you guys don't always get an opportunity to be around these guys. I don't know that I have ever seen Tyree Phillips when he wasn't smiling except when he was on the field. Just a great guy, for sure. Really, really happy for him. And he went a little earlier than I expected. I figured he would be maybe a fourth or fifth round selection. And he goes in third round. Very, very happy for him, to say the least. We thought we would have a lot more activity on day three of the draft. I think once we got three picks on day two, I've been thinking, okay, we're a little bit ahead of schedule. But uh, we get down to the seventh round, and Tommy Stevens, kind of surprised, to be honest with you, and then I, I, I watched what Sean Payton had to say, is they really wanted him, and he kind of had the feeling that Tommy was leaning towards another program as an as a undrafted free agent, so they had no choice but to sign him. When you have one of the most innovative offensive minds in the game, and Sean Payton, it says, you know what, we didn't want to run the risk of him signing with another team, so we went ahead and drafted him. I think that says a lot. Now, does Tommy Stevens make the team? I don't know. But Tommy is athletic enough that I think that he could do some things there. We've seen what happened with Taysom Hill, and, and they're, they're looking to keep him there as well. And then they go out and sign Jameis Winston over the weekend. So we'll see what happens with Tommy. But um, you know, one of the things that I was struck by, number one, is the, uh, number one, the joy that I saw in Tommy Stevens after his uh, long and injury-plagued career, he finally still has an opportunity to go play in the National Football League. But also, too, I don't quite understand why some of our fans are still so hypercritical of Tommy Stevens. You know, it doesn't matter what happened now in the quarterback competition last year. Tommy Stevens is a Mississippi State Bulldog. Tommy Stevens was given an opportunity to be a starter at Mississippi State. He is one of us. And so it's so interesting to me, there are those people that will be so critical and say, hey, don't criticize Willie Gay, but in the same breath, they'll criticize Tommy Stevens. And so I just think we need to have a uniform blanket policy that we don't bash any of our student athletes, Mississippi State. And if you want to say, listen, hey, I, you know, I thought this guy was better suited for the job, and so be it. But why bash him now? The season's over. Their careers are over here at Mississippi State. It's time for us to just be supportive. You know, I hope Tommy Stevens goes down to the New Orleans Saints and, and uh, 
maybe gets on a muscle milk regimen and, and uh, gets stronger and, and, and bigger. And then when Drew Brees retires, he takes over and, and, and is their starting quarterback for 10 years. I'd love to be able to say, you know what, that guy played at Mississippi State. Look how proud we are of him. I just don't know what we gain by being negative about our student athletes. I, maybe I'm wrong. You know, they're, they're young kids. Sometimes they're going to do stupid stuff. It happens. You know, but Tommy Stevens didn't do anything more than what we asked him to do. We had him come in here and quarterback as he got banged up. And listen, you know, God, God bless him, but the kids made a glass. I mean, he can't stay healthy. He had, you know, three or four major injuries throughout the year. Did his best to play through him. He's clearly a tough kid. But he's now a New Orleans Saint. And uh, very, very happy for him. Brian Cole, a late pick by the Minnesota Vikings, very happy for Brian. He's another one of those guys, too, that uh, you knew when he had a chance to, to kind of test. He's a guy that I think could have benefited from a pro day and some of these personal workouts. Didn't get the chance to do that because he is such an athletic and versatile player. So we've got two Bulldogs heading up there. But, uh, you know, Brian's one of those guys, too, that because of his ability to run down the field and blow people up, I think he can make a roster as a special teams guy. I think there is a real chance that all five of these guys make the roster. Tommy Stevens may end up being a practice squad guy initially, but I think I think Brian Cole has a chance to make the roster for the Minnesota Vikings. I think, uh, I think your first three guys, I think that's a done deal. But you've got a real chance with these five to have an opportunity to make the 53-man roster. And, again, I think Tommy Stevens probably practiced squatter initially. But interesting. I don't think the Saints would have uh, – if they weren't sold on Tommy Stevens, why would they draft him? I don't mean that just to throw a pick at him. You, you heard Sean Payton say himself. They thought he was going to go somewhere else as a UFA, so they did the, the thing they needed to do to, to draft him to secure his services. Uh, I think Brian Cole I, – I suspect if we begin to dig into that, Brian Cole had a lot of free agent interest. Minnesota probably had no choice, I, and I like it. I really do. I like him going up there with Cam. I think it's good for both of them. I want to remind you, our good friends at Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show. Stan, the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody there will treat you like family because you are family. You can order Mississippi State merchandise from them right here today. Go log on at campusbookmart.net, and you can peruse through their fine selections of memorabilia items and uh, novelty items and jerseys, anything you need, Mississippi State-related, you can find it right there. And by being a loyal Bondyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's canvasbookmark.net, promo code BSR. So we're going to do the top 10 list a little bit different today. Okay, so I'm not going to rank these guys top 10. Because I don't know if you know this, but uh, I, I think my research is complete. But we've had 13 first-round draft picks in the history of the National Football League draft from Mississippi State. 13. Three of them, of course, was last year. In the 2019 draft, Montez Sweat, Jeff Simmons, Jonathan Abram, you are very well acquainted with all of them. I wanted to run through the other 10, perhaps some players that uh, you're not quite as familiar with, and then some other ones that, that, are, that are household names now in the National Football League. But uh, Mississippi State's done exceptionally well at times 
in the uh, NFL draft, and I don't know that we've ever had it quite as good as this. So here are 10 first-round picks that you might have forgotten about or never knew about. The first one we're going to go with was Billy Stacy. Billy Stacy from Drew, Mississippi, spent five years with the Cardinals. They were the Chicago Cardinals from 59. They moved to St. Louis. He went with them, stayed with them for five years, was a tremendous player here at Mississippi State, had a good career in the National Football League. Uh, and again, that's in the you know that's before you know the merger. Uh, you know, played some on both sides of the football. One of those guys too. When you know, he was kind of the uh, the the hybrid guy that could play DB and wide receiver and do kick returns and everything. And, and he did a little bit of everything uh, for the Cardinals. And so Billy Stacy, way back, way back, nineteen fifty nine. Played from 59 to 63. Billy Stacy, Mississippi State legend. The next guy on the list, Art Davis. Art Davis, the brother of Harper Davis. Harper Davis, of course, uh, another professional athlete. Uh, also the longtime coach at Millsaps. Incredible Bulldog. Played for Alan McKean. But Art spent some time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a uh, first-round draft pick back in 56. Spent the year with them and uh, still kicking, still bulldog, as you could imagine. Uh, kind of limited play in the National Football League. Also, uh, a little bit later in his life, his grandson Brad Jones played first base for Mississippi State. How about that? True maroon. So I got a story with you too for uh, Jimmy Webb. Jimmy Webb played seven seasons. Most with the San Francisco 49ers. He was a first-round selection, and he almost didn't play his senior year at Mississippi State. When I interviewed Bob Tyler for Stark Villains, we talked at length about, you know, when he came in, what changes he made to the culture. And he said he's sitting there telling, you know, talking to the players, we wanted this, wanted that. He said, Jimmy Webb stood up and raised his hand. He goes, Coach, I want to know what you're going to do to help us win ball games." And Jimmy Webb was a leader on the Mississippi State team. And Bob Tyler said when Jimmy Webb said, you know what, Coach, what are you going to do? It was a perfect segue for him to talk about all the physical conditioning things they were going to do to help them improve as players. And it paid off for Jimmy Webb, who was already a proven commodity. But uh, that senior year he had in state at 74, he had an opportunity to, uh, to play his way into a first-round selection. Glenn Collins, back in the 82 draft, kind of an unsung hero on that Mississippi State defensive front. You know, a lot of people, you, you talk about Billy Jackson, you talk about Johnny Cooks. Glenn Collins was an absolute monster at Mississippi State. Still hanging around Jackson, still true maroon, still a great guy. Uh, spent five seasons in the National Football League, drafted by the Bengals in the first round. Uh, was really, you know, had 11 sacks in the National Football League. After his four years with the Bengals were up, he, he spent some time with the, the 49ers and then uh, ultimately ended his uh, career and, and moved back home to Mississippi. Jackson through and through. But Glenn Collins, for those of you that you know like those, that, that, like that 81 defensive front, you go back and look at that group. You talk about some war daddies. Glenn Collins is in the middle of every bit of that. You watch those 80-81 games. Glenn Collins in the middle of everything. Didn't always get the notoriety, perhaps, that some of his teammates did, but a uh, very productive player here at Mississippi State. Johnny Cooks, of course, a uh, long, 
long NFL career. Ten seasons for Johnny Cooks, one of the first players selected in the draft that year by the by the Baltimore Colts and ultimately the Indianapolis Colts. Spent four years with the Giants and then a final partial season with the, the Cleveland Browns. Johnny still around from Lillywood, Mississippi. Johnny still shows up. Last time I saw Johnny Cooks, is uh, he was uh, at the Mississippi State Football Legends dinner. He was leaving and uh, pretending that he was going to run Rob Festmeyer over with his uh, his car, his wife's car, excuse me. Johnny's still very much involved in Mississippi State Athletics, still around, still comes to games, still cheers for the dogs. A lot of young people today don't understand how dominant we've always been on the defensive front. Another first-rounder, Michael Haddix, played eight years, mostly with the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Haddix on some of those great John Bond teams here at Mississippi State was the primary running back. Big-time player here at State, still very involved in the community, still comes to the M-Club meetings and everything else, still very much a Mississippi State guy. Again, eight years, five or six with the Eagles and uh, two with the Green Bay Packers, had career rushing yards of 1,635. He was pretty much a complimentary back in the National Football League. But um, very happy that Michael Haddix is still so plugged in with Mississippi State. It's one of those things, too, when we go to these meetings and we have a chance to kind of be around the older players, uh, you know, Michael Haddix is a guy that came to introduce himself to me, and, and I thought, man, what an absolute honor it was to meet him. I got it's true maroon. We didn't have another first round pick again because that was, you know, he was in the 83 draft. Our next one was Eric Molds. Eric Molds was the next first round draft pick. Got Molds coming up in the in the new Stark Villains book, too. Eric Molds spent most of his career on some pretty good Buffalo Bills teams. Never they never could break through, though. But he spent 12 years in the National Football League. 764 receptions for 9,995 yards. I mean, the Titans couldn't get him a screen, screen pass and give over 10,000. 49 touchdowns in the National Football League, one of the most accomplished Mississippi State players in the National Football League of all time. And he's, you know what's funny, too, is he told me he lives in Charlotte, and occasionally he still goes to the Mississippi State watch parties with the Alumni Association up there in Charlotte. He told me one time he was there at some bar and grill or something and talking with some fans. And uh, one of the guys, he goes, man, you sure know a lot about Mississippi State. And he said, hey, did you play at State? And he goes, yeah. He said, I'm, I'm Eric Molds, and people couldn't believe it. I think it's a really cool thing to think probably the greatest receiver to ever play at Mississippi State turns out and goes to the alumni functions out of state because he wants to be around Mississippi State people. There's a special thing going on here. I don't know if you figured it out yet. I know you, reading social media, you never know it. But uh, there is a special quality about the Mississippi State family that I don't know is seen in many other places. One of our most accomplished defensive backs, school record interception holder, Walt Harris. I don't know that Walt has gotten his full due. I, I've watched that 94 game against Alabama over the weekend as I was riding. And I went back and watched that. And you want to talk about a team that looked like monsters? Look, go back and watch that 94 team. 
we beat Tennessee here, and Peyton Manning's freshman year, beat Tennessee here. You've seen Kendall Watkins' touchdown you know, catch in the final minute there to win the ball game. And we should have beat Alabama. We're up 25-15 with under eight minutes to go. We blew it. But when you want to go, you want to go see state matchup size and skill-wise with other teams in the SEC, there has never been a better matchup than the 94 team. Go look at it yourself. And people say, well, you know, Steve, you had 98, 99. I don't know if offensively we were as good then as we were in 94. 94 Alabama game, that's the uh, that's the big Eric Moulds catch where he leaps over Antonio Langham and Deshae Townsend. Walt Harris was on that team, and watching that guy run around out there, you're thinking, holy smokes. You look at the way DBs are built today, you're thinking, how, how in the world? And Walt Harris was the guy that was, uh, you know, he definitely looked like a pro. Even in college, he looked like a pro. I see some of these guys up there today, and you think, they think, oh, you know, well, this guy, he's the next great one. Uh, listen, Walt Harris is the standard that every Mississippi State defensive back should be compared against. Walt drafted by the Bears, spent six seasons with them, then with the Colts, a couple years with the Skins, with the Niners. Walt Harris, incredibly accomplished on the professional level. 13 seasons in the National Football League. And listen, you know how a lot of guys kind of wilt in their final years? You know, they just think, hey, the game kind of catches up with them. Walt Harris's final year in the National Football League of 2008 played all 16 games for the Niners, 54 tackles that year, 13 passes defended, and three interceptions. 54. The year before that, 58, 60, 57. So, I mean, he's right there. I mean, right there with his career average. Still playing at a high level. 13 years into the league. 393 career tackles, three sacks, nine forced fumbles, and 35 interceptions. Walt Harris, stud. So now we're getting into some names. Uh, you know, after a while, we didn't have one for a while. Derek Sherrod goes the last pick of the first round of the Green Bay Packers and just never could get right, you know, and uh, played in 20 games there, had a start in 2014, and, and then retired from football. Uh, love Derek Sherrod. From Caledonia, the pride of Caledonia, Mississippi. He and his brother Des, uh, just great guys all the way around. Wish things had gone a little bit better for Derek, but man, Derek, what a great career he had here at Mississippi State. I remember the very first time he played. You know, he was you know, one of those guys that came in here and uh, you know played as a true freshman. A lot of people were thinking, "Oh, we, we should have redshirted him," but he was ready to go, and he proved it. And uh, ended up being, you know, a bona fide true left tackle prospect. We had always had a lot of those, and I don't say that to be critical, you know. But Derek was a bona fide NFL left tackle guy. It just didn't pan out for him. The next number one pick, you guys know it, the highest paid Mississippi State football player of all time, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox has had opportunities to leave Philadelphia. He has stayed there. He has now won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia. Nine years in a league, it seems like just yesterday that he was here. Nine years in a league, and he still played at an incredible level. 2019 numbers for him, <clears throat> 40 tackles, three and a half sacks, a couple passes defended. He had a big year back in 15. That was the high mark in 15. He had 71 tackles. But you know, in, in recent years, you know, he, 
they've had a little bit of a change up there, but uh, you know, still playing at a high level. Still is a guy that's still getting in the Pro Bowl. Still is a guy that plays well when the game is on the line. Had a great career here at Mississippi State. Also declared early and came out as a junior. And I remember he was kind of toying with it then. Then he got some assurances that he would be a first-round pick, and he went and has absolutely made the most of it. So there you go. There's 10 first-round picks from Mississippi State. Maybe you didn't know quite as much about. And uh, I'm all about education and entertainment here on the Boneyard. Uh, a lot of people said, well, Steve, what about free agents? So there are a lot of guys that didn't get picked, and uh, I still think Nick Gibson would get an invitation to go to camp with somebody. But here's what we have right now. This is subject to change because these free agent deals are sometimes guys go to OTAs and get reliefs or whatever. Darrell Williams, undrafted, signed with Kansas City and had over $100,000 signing bonus. Great for him. Tommy Champion signs with Seattle. Farad Green with Indianapolis Colts. Jaquarius Landrews, New York Giants. Johnson River for Baltimore. Stephen Gidry reportedly signed with Dallas, even though I haven't seen anything from Dallas about that. Isaiah Zuber with the Patriots. Lee Autry with the Chicago Bears. He is a guy, too. You want to talk about a guy that probably hurt his draft stock by not being able to play the full year? It's Lee Autry because he played at a high level when he was in there. And so you look back in hindsight and say, you know what, this is a guy that really could have benefited from having a full slate of games to play this year. And then finally, Leo Lewis signs with Pittsburgh. Kind of apropos. And I hope he makes a team. I really do. And there are a couple of things that I wanted to say about all of that, because I know there has been all this uh, this hubris on social media. And uh, I'm going to say some things, and uh, you may not agree with it. And you know what? I'm perfectly okay with that. I will love you just the same. But Twitter was all a flutter this weekend after uh, Ole Miss fan-based media uh, writer Neil McCready tweeted out, basically kind of rubbing Leo Lewis's nose in the fact that he was undrafted. And uh, then you try to walk it back a little bit later, saying that Leo Lewis is a victim and he feels sorry for him, that sort of stuff. You know, and I, I think the, the tweet went out about 15, 20 minutes after the draft. And here's the thing that I think about with all of that. You know, I cover Mississippi State. And uh, if Mississippi State had not had a player drafted, you know, I think my initial tweet or my initial report, my initial article, my initial thoughts would be like, man, I can't believe State got shut out this year. You know, not to mention there were you know a lot of there were some players left from that uh, you know top five class. You know from from 2016 that uh, were highly heralded that didn't get drafted. And so rather than have the, the initial thought be, man, we just got shut out. You know we were expecting Scotty Phillips to get drafted. We were expecting Bernardo Jones to get drafted. But the very first tweet is about Leo Lewis. Ha, 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 Leo Lewis didn't get drafted. I, I think that's despicable. You know, uh, Shea Patterson didn't get drafted. I, I tweeted about that, and, and to, that still boggles the mind to me. I know Shea Patterson, not a bigger kid. I get it. But you know what? Neither is Kyler Murray. And I know that Kyler Murray is a little more accomplished than Shea Patterson, but with Shea Patterson's arm strength and the fact that we're playing more of a spread offense where it's more of a vertical passing game, I thought he would get picked by somebody. I'm surprised that he didn't. I'm not surprised that Leo Lewis, Lewis went undrafted. And I don't say it to be critical of him, but I don't think that he had the career that many of us expected to have, to have. And I suspect yesterday, in many respects, was among the saddest days of his life because he went undrafted. I'm sure he was holding out hope 
He would have an opportunity to get picked up by somebody. He didn't. He didn't sign the free agent deal. And so, again, hopefully he makes a team. But, um, you know, there's been so much – there's all this discussion, and a lot of blame gets thrown my way, and that's fine, whatever. I can tote it. I'm from South Mississippi. I can tote that responsibility, to use the, the South Mississippi phrasing. But, you know, if I were on the other, the other end of this, and thank God I'm not, you know, I would think, you know, look at Benito Jones. Benito Jones, really not a kid that fit at Ole Miss. A kid that chose to go to Ole Miss rather than go to Mississippi State, where Mississippi State has produced defensive linemen on the regular that have gone to play pro football. But, you know, hey, some folks around him said, hey, you need to go to Ole Miss. And he goes to Ole Miss. He was a five-star recruit as part of a top-five recruiting class, and he invests four years of his life at Ole Miss. And here's what he got in return. Zero winning seasons, zero bowl games, and then he goes undrafted. And rather than that being the story or saying, you know what, hey, guys, our coaching staff didn't do a good job developing those players. And, yeah, they signed them, but they sure didn't develop them. And now these guys have come here, and, and hopefully they graduate with a degree, and perhaps they've met the woman that will someday become their wife, but they didn't get much from us on the football side of things. But rather than that being the concern, we got Neil McCready out here taking a shot at Leo Lewis. I think it's despicable. I think it's absolutely disgraceful. And uh, he is one of those guys that always prides himself that he's a journalist. No, you're a reporter. That's what you are. And you're really an Internet troll. Because I can't imagine a professional journalist, the first thing that would pop into his mind is to go troll Leo Lewis on Twitter. I think a professional journalist would say, you know what, hey, we've got a problem here at Ole Miss, and hopefully Lane Kiffin's going to fix it. We just we were the only team in the Southeastern Conference to not have a player drafted in the 2020 NFL football draft, the only school. And so now we got to kind of, you know, relegate our coverage to free agent signings. Not that they expected a huge uh, draft haul, but you're the only team. Zero, goose egg, buckshot in the draft. But you know what? Let me go endear myself to the, the to my fellow Ole Miss fans and let me go take a shot at Leo Lewis. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Those are the things that uh, that I think about. And, and when people say, man, man, you know, the rivalry is so toxic. Well, number one, it's always been toxic. Where have you been? But, uh, you know, the same people that carried water for, for Ross Bjork are, are now criticizing Ross Bjork for, you know, for not taking care of the program. He was their buddy when he was giving them information, but now that he's gone, they have no use for him. It's not a critical of him. And then the same bunch of clowns so reverently bowed and gobbled up everything that Hugh Freeze has done, holy sacraments that he offered at the altar of Freeze. But let's go, uh, let's go take a shot at Leo Lewis. It's ridiculous. So I say that to say this. And I started not to even comment today, but I felt like that I think it's important sometimes that we provide some context to all this. As I have matured, and I still have a ways to go, one of the things that I have learned in life is not to not let small people ruin your big moments. And so we had a pretty good day at the draft. We had five of our players selected. And listen, we didn't have a huge senior class 
of unbelievably talented players. It wasn't like last year, you know. But we we kind of knew, you know, with Jonathan Abram and those guys, we knew we were gonna we were gonna command some respect on day one. But hey, we had a pretty good day, we had a pretty good weekend. And then, so rather than focus on you know the sour grapes of a uh, of you know a, a loyal uh, fan based media person, and that's as nicely as I can say it. Uh, I think the focus should be on Mississippi State and the fact that Willie Gay overcame some of these criticisms of himself and and worked his way into the second round. That Cameron Cameron Datchler, a young father, now doesn't have to depend on a monthly stipend from his scholarship to feed his kid. That Tyree Phillips, a guy that is a Mississippi Junior College success story, is going to go have a chance to play potentially for a Super Bowl next year as he goes and joins the Baltimore Ravens, who were 14-2 last year in the regular season. And then Tommy Stevens, a story of redemption, that he came to Mississippi State, a very seldom-used quarterback at Penn State, comes to Mississippi State, and despite the fact that we didn't have a great year and that he was injured, he parlayed his opportunity at Mississippi State into a professional contract. And Brian Cole, a guy that uh, you know many people... You know, he was on a scrap heap of college football, man. He was a top 100 player as a receiver, goes to Michigan, gets flushed out there, goes to East Mississippi, has a lot of people get on him. Many schools backed off of him late, but Dan Mullen decided to stick with him. Then he comes to Mississippi State, and he has a couple of really good years. Not to mention, he didn't get to play his first year through no fault of his own because of some problems with his transcript at East Mississippi. As a result, you know, things weren't as they should have been, and so he ends up being a red shirt and then parlays his second chance into a professional football opportunity. That's where I think the focus should be. Because here's the thing. is those people that are enemies of Mississippi State, they're always going to be enemies of Mississippi State. They're never not going to wake up one day and say, hey, listen, I'm going to go give Mississippi State credit for being a great baseball program and being a football program that consistently develops football players and makes a difference in young people's lives. They're never, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's, it's just like you're never going to hear me come on here and, and sing the praises of, of Hugh Freeze. Now, I think I've been fair with Matt Luke, but it's one of those things, too, that, you know, I just think maybe I'm wired a little bit differently. And then, you know, I'm okay with that. I don't need their approval. They don't need mine. But at the end of the day, I think our focus should be on what's going right at Mississippi State rather than the pot shots of somebody who's really got nothing good to report about. And that's the bottom line. What are you going to do? Go, uh, you know, write an article about, uh, you know, a, a, a video game simulation of a baseball game? Is because that's the only way I think Ole Miss can beat Mississippi State. I mean, when you look at the recent years, I mean, four years, Mississippi State fourteen and two against Ole Miss, won all four series and all four governors games. And so maybe you can write about that. You know, maybe you can say, you know, hey, listen. Ole Miss finally found a way to beat Mississippi State. It was on a video game. And maybe that's the direction of the program. I don't know. Maybe in an eSports world, Ole Miss can be competitive. Maybe. I don't think they're drafting guys off their play on Xbox One, though. I don't think the PS4 is going to get you into the draft portal. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think the bottom line is it's that we've got a lot to celebrate here at Mississippi State. We've got a lot to feel good about. We've got a very talented roster returning next year. Got a chance to do some big things. 
here at Mississippi State. You know what? Nick Fitzgerald played some in the XFL this past year. Tommy Stevens drafted by the Saints. Dak Prescott about to cash in one of the most lucrative contracts in National Football League history. So our last three starting quarterbacks have gone on to play professional football. We hadn't always been able to say that. And that's the one thing, Stu, you remember that was the big criticism of Dan Mullen is that, you know, hey, Mississippi State hadn't had a quarterback drafted, you know, since Jackie Parker. I think that's right. Don Smith was drafted as a running back to play for the Bills, you know. And so that was a thing. Well, you know, Mississippi State can't produce quarterbacks. Now we've got three in a row, and they've gone on to play professionally, and two of them selected in the National Football League draft. So I'm not going to waste any more of my time worrying about what other people think. Outside opinions about our program are absolutely irrelevant. We're never going to ever, ever, ever reach a point where people say, hey, you know what, I really like you guys, because I don't like them. And it's because of situations like this. That a guy like Leo Lewis comes in and has the weight of the world on his shoulders throughout his career, had a really good first couple of years here, and then I think that the weight of it all kind of got to him. I think the coaching changes kind of got to him. Uh, and then, you know, here he is hoping to hear his name selected, and then it's not. And then what happens is then we have this, you know, the social media trolling. You know, uh, I think it says a lot about people and where we are as a society. You know, it's, and not to mention, Leo Lewis's story is not over. Leo Lewis still has the opportunity to play football. It's not like Leo Lewis is leaving today and going to go start working to use car dealership. Leo Lewis is going to get ready and go try to make the roster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know what? He wouldn't be the first guy to make a roster. Now, are the chances good? No, they're not. It's a very much a long shot. But there are some guys out there that end up making a practice squad and work their way on and then work, begin to work their way into a contract at some point. So his contract uh, is somewhat you know, minor compared to what I'm sure he hoped it would be. But uh, his story is not over yet. And one of the things that I'm reminded of, I've got a couple projects that I've been offered. We're working through some of that stuff. And one of them I'm really excited about. And I'm not going to give you a lot of details yet. One of them I'm really excited about, so I hope we can come to terms on this. But every time that I see some nonsense like this, I'm reminded how important some of these projects that I'm working on are. And so I've got some 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 book opportunities in addition to what I'm doing now that uh, I'm excited about. And one in particular, because I, I there are some things out there, there are some things that need to be known that aren't known, some things that haven't been published that need to be. And uh, I'm hopeful that I will have the opportunity to publish those for you. Because every time something like this happens, it is a reminder to me of what needs to be done. But folks, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much of you and uh, hope that you guys are having a great week. And uh, listen, back on Wednesday, going to spend some time on Wednesday talking more about this, uh, you know, name, image, and likeness stuff, as well as the, you know, the one-time transfer. We've talked about that. I've, ga- I've gathered some more information and some other opinions about this. I've got some other things I want to share that might be more of a concern for you than perhaps that you realized. And so we'll get to that and uh, get to so much more. You just never know what the week is going to bring. And uh, hopefully we continue to get some good news and we can get this virus stuff behind us. But uh, and, and before I get out of here, there are some good people on the Ole Miss side of things. Our, our pal Dave Johnson, there is uh, there is now a path home for Dave. And uh, a few weeks ago, you know, we, I'll be honest with you, we expected Dave to pass away. We expected any moment to get word that Dave had passed away. Dave has battled back against the coronavirus. He is now 
COVID-19 negative. He is off a ventilator. He is uh, still in the hospital, still recovering. His lungs are functioning good. His kidneys are doing good. He is on the comeback trail. And so I know many Mississippi State people have prayed for Dave and have spent a lot of time discussing Dave because this is a guy that we all know from his work about Ole Miss. And, uh, and so here we are now, Dave, getting better. And uh, now there is discussion about, you know what, hey, if he has a few more good days, it's a real chance he's going to have a chance to go home. And uh, that is very, very exciting to me. And there have been so many college football fans around the country, not just State and Ole Miss people, but I, I mentioned that one time, but I was very proud of State and Ole Miss people kind of uniting together. and Had some Southern Miss people and Alabama people kind of chime in. So, you know what, we've been praying for Dave, too. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a reminder, too, that, you know, we don't, we don't always have to be such bitter enemies all the time. And if people would act a little nicer on Twitter, maybe it'd be more of a, a, a docile rivalry. But, you know, I digress. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.